Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we discuss ways that we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and I'm the Associate Minister at Holly Hill Church of Christ. And with me, I have my good friend, Lonnie Jones, who's here to discuss with me how we can be patient. Lonnie, how are you doing right now? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I am doing excellent. And uh, thank you for, for joining me on this. It's, it's always nice to be able to have people you've, you've looked up to and you've, and, uh, you've listened to uh, different youth rallies and different activities. And, and now you're here, and now we get to discuss together. So I'm excited. And oh, uh, so what's new in your area? I know you, we were talking before. You're staying pretty busy with lots of things. Yeah, uh, normal schedule is really strange. I haven't had six free weekends in a row in 20 years, uh, but my travel <laughs> schedule just got gutted because of this. But, you know, I was able to keep my practice open and see a few clients a week. I do some projects with the police department, uh, teach some at the academy and interface with some of their programs. So, yeah, I've been busy enough. Uh, today, uh, I came home after teaching eight hours of police academy. And my grandkids are here. And so I immediately got out of the truck, went to the, we have a three-story tower in the backyard we call Fort Gunner. It's got a okay. giant slide and a zip line. And so I came immediately out of the truck and went outside and been playing on the giant slide and oh, playing man. chase and fighting. It's awesome. Gunner and I will probably spend the night out there tonight. That'll be fun. Now let me ask, did you build that yourself? I did. I it figured. Three, I figured. It has three class two utility poles has a lower deck, an upper deck, and then some sky bridges. Uh, and it's, you know, it's ropes course material and ropes course standard approved. And uh, I, I built it as a little project when Lonnie Beth said she was having minions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I like that. Well, we'll be talking about patience, and I want to thank everyone who's, who's tuning in. Looks like we have about 12, 13 people who are watching right now. You know, and we're, and we're talking about patience like i said and my dad's here and uh and, and paul sperlin just commented but my dad says hello and uh for those of you who don't know uh lonnie and my dad uh y'all were roommates in in college if i'm remembering no, correctly no, no, we, not roommates we, we lived on the same we lived in the same building i thought y'all were roommates no nobody can live with jerry germany <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah i can understand that but but y'all were i hear uh Y'all, y'all like to hang out and, and do and get into some trouble, and uh, so he says hello. But um, for those of you um, in the chat, I would love for you to, to 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 give some feedback. But as I said in my video, you know I'm excited to talk about patience because my wife claims that I'm the most patient person in the world. It, except I think there's a word I'm I'm missing. Maybe it was most least patient person. Uh, I have listening problems too, but. Uh, but when it comes to patience, uh, I guess the, the question is, before we can discuss what this is, what is patience exactly? You know, is, is patience just being able to tolerate aggravations? Is I mean, what is Lonnie's good definition of what it means to be patient? Uh, I like to uh, conscript a, a Greek concept. I think it's macrothumeia. It's the ability to withstand the heat. And okay. I think patience is endurance. Patience is the ability to deal with pain. The ability is to bear up under a load. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. 
It doesn't mean it, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't mean it's not inconvenient, but it means you have the ability to sustain or to be sustained while suffering under a trial or a load. Okay, I like that. And, and that kind of that helps understand, you know, I guess, put it into perspective about patience because lots of times whenever we show our, I guess, lack of patience, it's, it's in response to pain. It's in response to being uncomfortable, maybe feeling attacked. Maybe, may, you know, for me, it's just, okay, let's be faster, you know, and, and it's just that, you know, it's not the pain, but it's maybe the fear of slowness and the fear of, you know, this should be taking, this should be going faster because I have, you know, and not being able to take the heat of just slowing down. And I think sometimes that, that's okay. important too. You know, I know with my wife, sometimes she'll say, Jonathan, you know, it, not everybody moves as fast as you do, you know? And, uh, and I have to remember that, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to is it's really not about us when, when, yeah. it, when it gets right down to it. And understanding that the process is sometimes more important than the product. And people who are impatient want to move from, from start to my product. But the process without the, the, the process is more important. And, and okay. so learning to slow down, what do I control yeah. and what can I do? And once I control the controllables and do the doables, however the chips fall, I'll be okay with the results. Definitely. And I think that, that, that kind of, I like how you put that, that the process is, is more important than the product because often we think the end result is all that matters. And as long as we get there, we've achieved our goal. But if we get to our product with burning bridges, then no one can get to the product because <laughs> we destroyed the, right. the, the way to get there. And I guess that, that comes to what I want for us to – and I would like to hear the people who are, who are watching with us. Then if we know what patience is, then, then what does it look like? Because we can just, we can act patient but not really be patient. Yeah, but, not, but, not, but not really. So, so, so what is actually so, so, being so what patient is look like? Actually being look like? If I understand the word humility, I believe it is necessary for patience. Now, maybe I'm wrong there. But humility, as I understand it, is the absolute absence of self-consciousness. So when I'm in a situation, I don't have to worry about how does it look. I don't have to worry about how you perceive me. I'm comfortable with what's happening. I'm comfortable with what's not happening. It, it's, a, it's a calmness like Jesus when he was on trial. He didn't have to debate. He didn't have to argue. Uh, John 13 says he knew he came from God. He knew he was going back to God. He knew the Father put all things into his hands. That simple understanding gives us a, a humility and humility is not a self-deprecating thing. It's, I'm just not concerned. Uh, it's probably a bad illustration. It's a, a, a term I, I learned from, uh, I heard a martial artist say it, uh, a, a mountain lion doesn't know he's a lion. He knows he's not a deer. He doesn't care that he's not a bear. He just walks through the woods with confidence. <laughs> and that's how a Christian is. I, I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm aware of who I'm not. And I don't worry about it. And so when I get in a situation and I'm being assaulted 
or I'm being frustrated or I'm being persecuted. I don't have to make things happen. I control what I control. I do what I do. I pray about it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. Well, if I'm being guarded heart and mind wise by God's peace, I'm a person who's can possess patience. Absolutely. And uh, I think Absolutely. What I, oh, there seems to be a really bad echo. Okay, I think it went away. Um, I, I think something that, that I, I, I'm curious about is when it comes to being patient toward others, you know, so there's some people that, that we say really try our patience. You know, maybe it's their personality. May, maybe we, we just don't get along very well. But when it comes to being able to have, like you said, that, that calmness, how, how can we be patient with others? And I like what you mentioned earlier, which was the – the control the controllables and, and do the doables. And I think that plays a huge factor into being patient, not just with ourselves and, and just life, but how we deal with others. Because I can't control you, and, and, and you can't control me, but I can control how I respond. So, so what are some maybe more specific tips, that, and, I would and this is where I really want to hear from our audience, that, that we can actually control the controllables and, or, and do the doables? Because that's easier to that's that's an easy little saying, and and it's a it's a catchy saying, but it's it's a lot deeper than than just that catchy phrase. So uh, in the book, uh, grappling with life, controlling your inside space, uh, that that book talks about you know understanding that I'm not responsible for the things I can't control. I'm not responsible for your reaction. I'm not responsible for your mood. I'm not responsible for, for how you respond to me. That, that's all on you. And once I have a category that says, I control this, I'm responsible for it. If I don't control it, I'm not responsible. That gives me a whole vast number of things that I'm not frustrated about anymore. Yeah. Now, what's one of the things that frustrates me is that people are imperfect. Okay, so I understand if you, you've spent 20 minutes in the church what is it? We're all imperfect. We're all sinners. So yep. I'm an imperfect person. I married an imperfect person. We gave birth to a person that when she got old enough, she became imperfect. I work with imperfect people and I'm self-employed. <laughs> I go to church <laughs> with imperfect people. I live in a neighborhood with imperfect people. Why does it blow my mind and frustrate me when imperfect people act imperfect? Yeah. And, and I wonder, and, and another, I, I heard this said one time and, and it always stuck with me you know it seems we expect even you know speaking of maybe the lost world we expect non-christians to act like christians and when non-christians act like non-christians we get upset we were like we, right. we, we were like oh i don't understand now i, I can maybe comprehend because you know when we're when we all claim to be christians i can maybe be disappointed and upset that someone's not acting like christ i still have to be patient but why are we surprised when, like you said, when imperfect people act imperfectly. And, and I think if right. we can remember that, hey, I'm imperfect too, and, and unless you're just super arrogant, you, you know you know that you're not perfect and that you make mistakes. And sometimes you know, we want people to, to give us the benefit of the doubt. We want people to be patient with us. You know, we want people to, to not hold us to a, an, almost a, an unrealistic expectation, but then we almost turn around and, 
hold others to a higher expectation than we want for ourselves. And I think once that's well, and, happened. And, I agree with that. Yeah. And in the most extreme situations, you have what I call spiritual narcissism. Okay. Uh, it's where I, I'm going to elevate myself by judging you. Well, in order for me to come to a condemnation of you, I've got to be intolerant of your flaws. I've got to be intolerant of your imperfections. And all of a sudden, I expect you to act on my maturity level. Well, that's just not reasonable. And, and, you know, if, if we all were supposed to ascend to the same level, but everybody grows at their own pace. And, and so when you begin to talk about how do you deal with, with people that frustrate you, one is making sure that the criterion I measure myself by is I'm comparing myself to Christ. I'm not comparing myself to you. And if I'm not comparing myself to you, I don't need to be impatient with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I see, uh, you know, Trey Morgan just joined, it looks like, and, you know, he does, he and his wife do a lot of marriage counseling, you know, and marriage uh, seminars. And I think in marriage, patience really plays a, a, a big key. And uh, now uh, I'm a fairly young guy. I'm fairly new in marriage still, you know, married less than 10 years. But one thing, if I've learned, if, if I've learned anything is I can't control my wife. As, as often as maybe I, I feel like I need to or I, I feel this urge to, to fix things, you know, if I, if I worry about myself becoming more like Christ and setting that good example and she worries about her becoming just like Christ and, and her setting an example for me, then and we're patient with each other and bear with one another's, you know, mistakes and imperfections, then we can work together instead of almost working against each other, it seems. But when those tables turn, and, and, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, no. No, you got it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, you talk about, you know, when those tables turn, uh, I think one of the problems with, with this idea of, of patience and patience with others is we have an unconscious belief that if I do what I'm supposed to do, you'll do what you're supposed to do. And when you don't do what you're supposed to do, somehow it frustrates me because I think that's an indictment against me. Uh, Matthew 5 says, you know, you love your enemies, you pray for those who curse you in order that you may be sons of your father. My behavior toward you is because of how God, my God self-identity, my spiritual self-identity, I'm a child of God. I can't say that I treat you the way I treat you because of the way you treat me. Your, your behavior has nothing to do with it. But so many times we superimpose the idea that if I'm a good guy, you'll be a good guy. If I'm a good neighbor, you'll be a good neighbor. If I'm a good spouse, you'll be a good spouse. And then when somebody isn't, quote unquote, good, we think that's an indictment on us. I must have done something wrong to make them act that way. That's not true. My behavior is not controlled by your behavior. My behavior is controlled by the idea that I'm a son of God. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and looking at how we deal with others, you know, I can't help but think of Matthew 18, where you had this servant who owed really an amount that was unpayable. He, there was no way he was going to be a, be able to pay back what he owed. And the master forgave him and had that, you know, that's grace, forgiveness, and mercy. But patience really factored into that too because, you know, well, one, there, it, you know, there was almost some implications. It had been some time. And he, was, he showed that patience and, for, you know, really mercy by saying, you no longer owe that debt. Well, then you had, then, Instead of going and celebrating with all his fellow servants and then saying, you know what, because I've been shown this, 
I've been shown patience, mercy, and forgiveness. I'm going to share with what I've been given and extend it to others. He turned to someone who, who owed him almost nothing in comparison, something that was actually very payable and that was, you know, like I said, pennies compared to what he owed. And he demanded that it was paid back and showed no patience and demanded that the man be thrown in prison until he could pay it back and showed no similar type of behavior. And then, of course, he was cursed, and Jesus used that as a teaching example about us extending that same type of, I guess, love toward others. So, you know, I think it's important when we're talking about patience for us to remember that God has extended us patience. You know, and, and time and time again, you know, I, I'm just glad, and I said this in my video this morning, I'm just glad that God didn't decide to stop his patience after the first time or after the second time I messed up or even the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and so on times. He, he always extends us that, that unconditional love, but really unconditional patience. And it seems we have our moment where we say, I can be patient up till this point. And once this point arrives then it's no longer my fault if I'm not patient because they deserve it. <laughs> and, and I think that, that that's a grave that's mistake. And I guess, you know, remembering that we've been shown things that, that we don't necessarily deserve. You know, we didn't deserve Christ. And it's not about what people deserve, but it's about us being transformed to be like Christ. Right. And, and giving people what they need rather than what they deserve is the idea of patience because I'm not trying to make my books balance. I'm not trying to get even with you. I'm not trying to make you be even with me. Uh, I don't owe you anything. There's no unfinished business between us. And so it's easy for me to tolerate something that is I'm waiting on you to mature before you can behave. That's patience. I'm waiting on you to recognize that maybe uh, you should apologize. I'm wait, you know, and I tolerate those things in, in, in order to help you grow and, and let you reach a position of maturity without me having to force you into it or even in some way uh, put an indictment against you or talk about you bad in some way. Yeah. And, and you know, this idea of this unforgiving servant, I think there's kind of a twofold idea is that we forgive because we've been forgiven. Mm -hmm. How patient is God with me? like you said, and if I understand how patient God is with me, the trickle-down economics says that's how patient I should be with you. Now, at any point that I'm not patient with you, how does that parable end? Yeah. The master finds it and says, look, yeah. <laughs> you didn't pass on this forgiveness. You didn't pass on this patience, so I'm going to retract it from you. And Jesus emphatically states that. Yeah. You will be forgiven based on how you forgive other people. And so the patience, the endurance, the ability to put up with your imperfections, Paul says in Ephesians 4, bearing with one another, you know, put up with each other's faults, I think is what it says in Colossians. And it's not saying you're not guilty, but it's my ability to endure your immaturity and your imperfections without making it a personal thing. Yeah, and, and I think that, that, that extends a lot because then that's a scary thought. You know, for those of us, and, you know, I include myself, who, who struggle with patience, you know, how patient I am maybe determines how patient God's going to be with me. 
how forgiving I am determines how forgiving God's going to be with me. That can be a, a, a sober, a, a sobering thought. Whereas, hey, you need to do a little better. And, and maybe that could be motivation, but the motivation shouldn't be out of fear for, for punishment, but it should be out of our love for God and our will and our desire to become like Christ. Because if we truly say, I'm a Christian, we're saying, I'm Christ-like. And if we're not being Christ-like, then, you know, someone once said that that's one way of, of taking, you know, the Lord's name in vain by abusing his name and by misrepresenting who he is. And, and that's not something I think any of us really want to do. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does the Beatitudes. But then he says, uh, I don't want you to think that I came to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not going to make it to heaven. Uh, I believe this was an indictment against the Pharisees' version of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And in, in the Sermon on the Mount, their righteousness was built on four pillars. It was their moral code. And he talks about internals versus externals, lust versus adultery, murder versus hate, uh, making a vow and, and not having to swear yes is yes, no is no. They built their, uh, their righteousness on their performance of spiritual disciplines, praying, tithing, and fasting. Jesus said, you do those to please God, not to please men. They base their righteousness on their relationship with money. And then the fourth pillar of their righteousness was how they compared themselves with other people. So in Matthew 7, Jesus attacks that pillar as well and says, don't judge unless you want to be judged. And the judgment you use will be judged against you. The measure you use for others will be measured against you. And so there you have, are you intolerant of people's small imperfections while ignoring your own big imperfections? You know, I've got this plank, I've got this eye beam sticking out of my eye, and I'm going to pick on you about a sawdust. And I think in the modern religious world, we have become nitpicky on people who don't dot their I's and cross our T's just like us, and we're willing to condemn them. I think that's an example of us being impatient and letting mm -hmm. God work with people's maturity and development rather than us becoming judge and jury. Yeah, and I once heard someone say, and I think I brought this up last week, but it was, uh, I wish I had, you know, about, I wish I had time to, to point out other people's faults, but I'm too busy pointing out my own. You know, sometimes I feel like <laughs> we, we point out other people's faults almost to avoid addressing our own. And, you know, we're maybe impatient with, with others because maybe deep down we're not as confident or not as – we know we're not as pure as we ought to be, but we're almost too scared to address that imperfection. It's super easy to have a self-selected criterion and use other people as your measuring stick. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, <laughs> unfortunate that we want to build our righteousness based based on somebody else's imperfections. And with my, my measuring metric is Christ. Well, Absolutely. I've always got work to do and I've got to worry about you. Yeah. And now, I think, yeah. You know, I, I, I do think that there is as iron sharpens iron, we give each other admonition. We give each other exhortation. We, we help people perform in a way that is, uh, well, Paul says you say things that are necessary for edification, that it brings benefit to the hearer. Yeah. Constructive criticism makes you better. 
when I tell you something just because it makes me feel better, that's just criticism. And so you got to ask, why are we talking about these imperfections? Is it to, to elevate myself? Is it to score points? Or is it a, a thing that brings mutual edification and helps us both be better? Yeah, I think of uh, Jesus when he's sleeping in the middle of the storm, and his disciples are terrified. You know, you're talking about giving people what they need, not what they deserve. When they wake him up, his first, his first action isn't to chastise them. He first calms the storm and the sea, and then he turns and says, why did you doubt? He didn't wake up and start fussing at them before he fixed the problem, you know, before he addressed their need. And at that time, their need was, okay, they need to be calmed down, and, and then once I, you know, sick, you know, give them some kind of security and ease their, their fear, now I can turn and say, you should have never been scared in the first place. And, and I think that order is an order we need to remember when people maybe not be acting the way we think they ought to act and maybe the way they actually should ought to act our first reaction shouldn't be to chastise but to comfort and lead them to christ in a loving and patient way you know people don't change overnight and i think right that's part of our problem you know when when it's something that we can't comprehend and something that we don't personally struggle with, you know, I, I've been guilty of thinking, I just don't understand why they just don't get it. And, and the moment we give in to that thinking, we, we begin to be very impatient toward those individuals. Because instead of trying to understand, we say, we almost make it their fault. They don't get it. I do. It's their problem. And, and that's not healthy. No. And, and when you think that on the, you know, on the, your most basic level, all human behavior is adaptive. I'm, I'm doing what I do because it works for me on some level. Well, a lot of times people's imperfect behavior is because they are struggling with a fear, a trauma, a frustration, a doubt, an insecurity. And, and we focus on the behavior. We, we want to pick the fruit and not, not deal with the root. And when I understand that when a person act aggressive they're insecure that children often act angry when they're actually afraid and once i start looking at what is this need that they have just like the disciples had the need for the storm to be calm before you address anything else and i think we too often look at people's behavior and and think that that is the problem the behavior is a symptom of a problem and patient people look to the problem and not just react to the symptoms Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, like, you know, coming full circle, it's then remembering again who we're supposed to become like, you know, you, you know, become like Christ. And then, you know, you said control the controllables. You know, I, I can't control their feet. You know, maybe it's their reaction right now, but but I can can I can help them and I can control who they see through me. You know, I, I often tell our, our teenagers we're supposed to be lights of the world not a big spotlight in someone's face blinding them. You know, if we end up saying, you should act this way, and we shine a light right in their face and their eyes and they can't see, well, that's not helping them walk in the, walk in the truth either because now they're blinded. And, uh, but we should be able to be lights so they can see and not be obnoxious or rude or impatient about it, but actually being a source for them to be able to find the right path. And that's, that's, that's all about becoming more like Christ. And realizing that you said being humble, 
we're, we're not, it's not just about me being like Christ, but it's almost about us becoming like Christ together. Yes. Yeah. So when I start thinking about uh, how I want you to behave, that's, that's not the goal. What do I want you to become? Mm-hmm. And when I change who I am, it will affect my behavior. And what do you have to do when you're waiting on people to become? That's patience. You know, mm-hmm. waiting on somebody to mature. You know, teaching somebody, uh, well, you know, teaching somebody to hunt. Well, when you take your four-year-old grandson hunting, you're not hunting. You're just roaming around in the woods, let him pick up sticks. <laughs> but as you teach him, you know, you're not expecting to go out with a four-year-old and kill a deer. You're expected to go out with a four-year-old for his attention span until he gets either tired, cold, or scared and go back in. But if you do, if you make him stay out there eight hours and this is how you deer hunt, he'll never go back. But if you stay 30 minutes and he wants to go drink hot chocolate, you go, okay, cool. And you go back in. The next time you ask him to go, he'll go with you and then he'll stay longer and then he'll start appreciating and that's the same way with Christianity. You know, we want to bring people from right where they are to where they need to be. And we're impatient with people growing. Because I guess, you know, I know for me, it's, it's impatience comes whenever it's silence or being stagnant. And, you know, and those two things are important when we're waiting on people to be who they need to be. Are you know becoming who they should be? Because that means it might require us to be silent, and it might require some awkward moments. But it also requires us to. They may not progress like you know your four year old. He's not ready to go out and spend eight hours, <laughs> but but he but a little bit of time he he can do that, and and that might be that it might feel stagnant to us in the moment, but it's really not. And, and spiritual growth is, is very hard to quantify. And, and we've turned it in to a metric of how many appearances do you make in a building? How many activities are you involved in? And when Paul talks about spiritual growth, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and so those are qualities, not necessarily activities. And you, it's very hard to measure qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you look at what does it mean to be spiritually mature? We want them praying prayers or giving lessons or being able to debate this topic or answer these difficult questions when really as they grow in qualities, you change the quality of a person, their behaviors follow that. Absolutely. And so when you, when you think about, you know, how, have, how have we measured spiritual growth over the years? We've used an external measurement rather than an internal measurement. Almost, almost, we've measured head instead of heart. Now, head needs to play a factor in it, but if the heart's not there, it doesn't matter how much I know. It really doesn't. Right. And knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. Uh, but knowing and doing for the wrong reason is no good either because Paul, when he talks about the attitude of love in First Corinthians 13, says you're no matter what you do, if you're not motivated by love for God and love for others, it doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just a what? I'm just a noisy gong and clanging cymbal. You know, I'm just a racket. Yes. <laughs> Something that nobody wants to hear right now. <laughs> well, well, hey, Lonnie, it's been uh, it's been fun. I think we're about out of time. 
Is there anything else you think would be uh, a good wrap-up or, or what's the driving home point you think people need to hear when it comes to being patient? To summarize what we've talked uh, about. I have uh, – I'll, uh, I'll steal a line from Brene Brown. She said it is easy to be compassionate to others when you're compassionate with yourself. It's easy to be patient with others when I can learn to be patient with me. I'm a work in progress, and if I'm willing to give myself, hey, you know what? God doesn't say well, well done, good, and, and perfect servant. Do well done, good, and faithful servant. That means God recognizes that I have, I have some things to do. Well, if I can be patient with myself, I can definitely be patient with you. I like that. I like that. Well, Lonnie, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. And uh, for those of you who are watching, thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, this has been the Crossways Podcast. Uh, we're here every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. And uh, we're also always sponsored by Holly Hill Church of Christ and the Ministry League. The Ministry League has all sorts of resources, all sorts of things provided for you guys. Coming up tomorrow, some big stuff, so stay tuned. But as always, we want to remember, please be more like Christ. And together, we can transform the world. Hey, young man. Ministry, Jerry Germany, I love you. Uh, I'm a better man because of the time I spent with you at Harding. Jonathan, I'm proud of who you have become and who you are becoming. Thanks for letting me be a guest in your podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for being God here. Bless. Yes, sir. Bye-bye.